Today's reading is Revelation chapter 1, as you just heard. Uh, it can be found on page 1028 of your Bible. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and for Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to, be, to, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of all earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head, the hairs on his head were like white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars and the, are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Great, thanks, Dan. Uh, well, do keep that passage open. That'd be really helpful to me as I uh, preach from God's word. But let's let's pray again. I know we've prayed, but I'm very conscious of the need uh, for God's help. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you that you are indeed the first and the last, the one who was and who is and who is to come, the one who has the keys of death and hell. Lord Jesus, please help us to see you this morning in your glory, that we might love you, that we might fear you above all other things. For your glory's sake. Amen. Well, what are you afraid of? What do you love above all things? I don't know how you'd answer that question. I, I'm sure we're aware in our culture of the, the growing fear about being open about our Christian faith, maybe at work. Maybe fear of being open about being a Christian in our family. A fear of misunderstanding of what people will think about the things that we believe which are increasingly out of kilter with where our culture is going. What do we love? What are we encouraged to love by our culture? It might be our career, it might be our relationships. Not bad things to love, but above all things. Maybe we're investigating the Christian faith and we're becoming increasingly aware that there is a cost in becoming a Christian. Now, to follow Jesus in the first century AD, which was when the book of Revelation was written, about 95 AD, uh, there was the potential of being greatly fearful. Uh, I'm just going to quote from a couple of historians from the uh, first century, non-Christian historians. The first is Dio Cassius. In the same year, Domitian, that's a particular emperor, slew, amongst many others, Flavius Clemens in his consulship, though he was his cousin and had to wife Flavia Domitilla. Against them both was brought a charge of atheism, and on this many others who made shipwreck on Jewish customs. Now, the charge of atheism was refusing to worship the emperor. They were almost certainly Christians. And then a, a letter from Pliny to Tra the Emperor Trajan, only 16 years later. I asked them if they were Christians and if they confessed. I asked them a second and third time with threats of punishment. If they kept to it, I ordered them for execution. As for those that said that they were neither nor never had been Christians, they recited a prayer to the gods, made supplication with incense to your statue, that's the statue of the emperor and cursed Christ. See, in the Roman world uh, at that time, the issue for many Christians was, would they worship the emperor or Christ? And to worship the emperor would have meant that they weren't facing execution or the lions in the Colosseum. But if they refused to worship the emperor and worship Christ, many were executed. Now, I don't know how you're feeling as we come to the book of Revelation. 
as we approach it. For some, the book of Revelation is just a, a, a book full of weird ideas, isn't it? You know, the happy hunting ground for, for weird and strange beliefs. And it's right to be cautious, therefore, as we come to the book of Revelation, because people have misused it over the centuries for all kinds of strange beliefs. Many of the cults use Revelation. It may be that we're coming to the book of Revelation with particular topics that we're, we're keen to think about. Dispensationalism, millennial views, the rapture, the end times. And it's you know valid perhaps to have conversations about those things, but I think we need to be careful that we don't miss the wood for the trees. You see, the theme of Revelation is this. Jesus is an infinitely more powerful ruler and judge. And so believing in him, remaining faithful to him, is worth it in the face of any cost to being a Christian, whether it's conflict in the church or a gruesome, horrific death. Better to consider Jesus and remain faithful to him, to overcome. You see, the power and judgment of Jesus is presented in vivid picture language that the Spirit uses to move our emotions as we read the book of Revelation, to take it deep, deep into us so that we fear in a right sense Jesus Christ and love Jesus Christ above all things, above life itself, as the first century Christians did as they read the book of Revelation. I'm just trying to juggle, juggle things here a bit. I'm just going to get myself sorted out. So what do we learn? Well, have a look at chapter 1, verse 1. This is the first thing we learn. Read and obey the revelation of Jesus Christ to be blessed. Read and obey the revelation of Jesus Christ to be blessed. See, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. God gave a revelation to Jesus Christ, God the Father, which Jesus then revealed to the Apostle John, who then wrote it down to show Christians what must soon take place. But what does soon mean? It's very important we understand this word soon, and it will become clear, I think, as we go. Jesus makes it clear in this section. Look at, with me at verse 19. This is what John was to write down, and this is how Jesus sums it up. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. John is being shown the spiritual reality of those things that are happening in his time, in the first century, and how they are linked to the future. Jesus' rule, as we'll see, has begun, and it will be brought to fulfillment. Jesus' judgment in the present has begun, and it will be brought to fulfillment. So soon means, and I quote Beale's commentary here, the definite, imminent, that means in the present, fulfillment, which has likely already begun. Remember Jesus preached his first message recorded in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The, the kingdom of God has begun, and you need to get ready for the future. It's near, so get on the right side. Jesus is king. He will return as king, so we're to be ready for him. He's coming soon, which means more than just a temporal coming. It means that it's already begun. It's near. 
and this is repeated in, in the, the structure of the book of Revelation. Uh, one of the things we need to get our heads around as we, we come to the book of Revelation is that numbers are symbolic, much more than they are real. We'll see that the seven churches, letters to seven churches, means the perfect church. There's going to be seven seals, the seven seals of history, the seven trumpets, seven bowls, and they all point to both what is happening in the present day of John's day, the first century, and the return of Jesus as judge. They, they do both. So soon means that which has already begun, the rule of Jesus and the judgment of Jesus, pointing forward to that which will finally happen, the visible return of Jesus in great power and glory as he comes to judge. So how did God make this revelation about Jesus Christ known? Well, he made it by sending his angel to his servant John, first one, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. See, John as an apostle bore witness to the word of God. He'd seen who Jesus was and what he taught and what he did. And this public witness is, as an apostle, in a legal sense, the testimony of Jesus Christ. And there's an ambiguity here, but I think the original readers would have understood it. Jesus bore testimony to who he was at his trial. All the apostles bore testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And John tells us that he bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's why he'd been thrown in onto the island of Patmos. Have a look uh, just down at uh, verse 9. So he was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. This isn't just what Jesus taught about himself. It's what John and the other apostles testified to who he was. It's what every Christian is called to. Don't turn to it, but this is what we're told in chapter 20, verse 4. John, at the end of the revelation, fell down at the feet of the angel to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Christians are those who hold to the testimony of Jesus, who believe what Jesus has revealed, what the apostles have revealed, and means that we worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So John has shown a vision of what is and what is to come, and the, and the two are linked. He, he's shown the power and sovereignty of Jesus over all world history. Jesus has begun to judge, and he will return to judge. He is the one to obey. He is the one to worship. And so, verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. That's the book of Revelation. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. The rule of Jesus has begun. The rule of Jesus will be fulfilled. The judgment of Jesus has begun. The judgment of Jesus will be fulfilled. So read this book and obey it to be blessed, eternally blessed. So can I encourage us to read this book? Uh, to read Revelation, maybe uh, when you go home later on today, read chapter one or as we get together for discipleship groups, we're going to be looking at chapters 2 and 3. I think the emphasis here is the public reading of it, so reading it on a Sunday when we gather is really important. 
but it's, it's a revolutionary thing to be reading this book in the first century in public. This book in the first century was dynamite. It was illegal. You could be killed for reading this book and believing this book. And thousands of Christians were in the first three centuries of the church. What is it that delivered them from fear? What is it that made them love Jesus more than anything else in life? And enjoy the blessing of, of knowing that delivery from fear and that, that love for Jesus, which was greater than anything else. Well, it was the message of this book, the message of this whole book, if you like, the Bible, because that, the Bible is the testimony of Jesus. See, many churches in our day are losing their nerve with this book. Are they not? Many churches may read it, but they aren't that bothered about obeying it, are they? If we're going to stand as a church in reading and obeying this book, we need to be in this book, hearing this book, read out loud, putting it into practice. Because we will go to many churches, as in the first century, where the fear is just getting a hold and people don't really want to read this book anymore. They don't really want to obey this book anymore. So let's not be those. Let's be those that read and obey the revelation of Jesus Christ to be infinitely and eternally blessed. Secondly, worship and wait for the almighty loving Lord. See, this, this book, the book of Revelation, is a prophecy, but it's also a letter. So John begins in the structure of a letter, John, verse 4, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Here is the power of the one who is writing to the churches. It's picked up again in verse 6. Sorry, no, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And he's writing to the, to the churches. And, and as John greets them with this introduction, that is the, the normal form of a, a letter, he wants them to be encouraged to worship God, the self-existent one, and to wait. So he says, to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We are to live for the glory of Jesus, to worship him, to, to praise him. Why? Well, because he loves us. If we're a Christian here this morning, he has freed us from our sins by his blood, by his death. Praise him for that. Let's just take a moment to praise him in our hearts that he has freed us from our sins. That he's made us into a kingdom. That he rules. That one day we will rule in. We are on the winning side. The, the one who has freed us from our sins is the one who was and who is and who is to come. Yahweh, the self-existent one, the creator. He's made us priests. We are those who can bring others into his presence as we uh, 
tell them the gospel. We, we are those who can pray for others and God can be out working. We're priests to his God and Father and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Here is the one that we are living for. He is the one who is in ultimate power. He is the one we are to fear, to love. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is in all power. See, whatever we think is in ultimate power and ultimate control, we live for, don't we? If we go to work and think our boss is in ultimate power and control, we will live for our boss. If we think in, in our nation, whatever the, the years ahead bring, that the changes in laws that might happen that make it illegal to believe the Bible might happen, mightn't it? If we think that that is the ultimate power, then we will be afraid. But if we think that Jesus is the ruler of all the kings of the earth, of all the powers, of all the laws, then we will not fear. See, here is the greatest power in the universe that we are to worship, to live for. Do we see who he is? And, and we're to wait for him. Revelation shows us the rule of Jesus in, in visionary metaphors to win our hearts, to stir our love and fear of Jesus rather than earthly power and earthly love, to live to that day when he returns, because behold, can you see? Can you see in your mind's eye that he is coming? He's already come, and he will come with the clouds, and your eye and my eye will see him. Even those who are now dead, those who pierced him, will see him will be raised and will see him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. For many, many people, that will be a tragic and sad day. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. He's coming back to judge. Can you see that day in your mind's eye? So worship and wait for the almighty, loving Lord. And then finally, and this is stunning, I've, I've been trying to think about illustrations for this talk, but I, I could, they wouldn't come. And I think the reason is because we're meant to see Jesus. So look with me at how God has revealed his son, the Lord Jesus, as he is now in glory. See the glory of Christ in his church. Come with me and look at these verses and allow the imagery to, to work in our hearts to deliver us from fear and self-love and love for anything other than Jesus that we're so prone to, aren't we? I know I am. Verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. He, he links three things together. For the Christians to whom he's writing. It's the same for us. Suffering kingdom, endurance. They're facets of the same thing. To be a Christian is to suffer. Jesus calls us to take up our crosses, to follow him. We're in a spiritual battle with the evil in the heavenly realms. We are buffeted by living in a world that's rocked by war and famine and COVID and any number of things. It's all under the sovereign hand of Jesus. But to follow Jesus means we will suffer. But we will also rule. It's a kingdom. Uh, we're ruling with Christ, who is ruling, but we're on the, on the way to his visible rule. We're on the winning side. We're on the right side of history. But endurance and patience are needed. 
We need to keep going to the end. And as, as we've seen, John is in exile on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. That's just because he was public and open about being a Christian. Yes, he was an apostle, but that is what led to the martyrs who did not love their lives unto death because of the testimony of Jesus. It's the public testimony, being fearless, that got him into trouble. And he's in the spirit, praying to God on a Sunday, the Lord's Day. Now, just as a side, I'm not going to go off on one about the Lord's Day. We're going to be looking at the Lord's Day in the summer. But according to John, there was such a thing as the Lord's Day, a Sabbath day. We're to keep the Sabbath day holy. But that's just an aside. We'll look at that more. Jesus tells him to write the letter of Revelation and to send it to the seven churches, which is symbolic of the whole church. I mean, there's no church in Jerusalem mentioned. We know there was a church there. There's no church in Egypt mentioned. We know that there's a church there. These are seven churches in Asia, that particular part of the world where it seemed that this was pressing, the issue of remaining faithful even to death. And... What do we read in verse 20? The seven lampstands are the seven churches. You see, he's giving this vision of who Jesus is. And where does it begin? Verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. We're about to see the risen Lord Jesus. The risen Lord Jesus is speaking to John. He hears the risen Lord Jesus' voice, and he turns around to look at the Lord Jesus, and what does he see first? Seven golden lampstands. The church in symbol. The golden lampstands symboled in the temple the presence of God. You might even say that they symbolize the temple itself. Now the temple is the church, and in the midst of the land stands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash round his waist. See, as we were coming here this morning, who did we think we were going to meet with? I mean, it's been, it's been a joy for us being on holiday and missing you guys, because you're in our hearts, and we wanted to be with you. But as we meet... We are meeting with the risen Jesus Christ. He is amongst the lampstands. He's in the midst of the church. He's here with us. We know, don't we, that where two or three are gathered, he is here with us. Can we see in our mind's eye that as we gather, we meet with this one? A golden sash. He's the priest of the church. There are no more priests. He's the priest there are no more sacrifices. He's the sacrifice, the blood of the lamb that was slain to the right hand of the throne of God. And verse 14, what, let, let's just try and take this in and imagine this. How, it's how, how apocalyptic it works. It gives us images that are meant to move us. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like white wool, like Snow. We're meant to imagine this because Jesus is pure. He's sinless. All his thoughts 
are pure. And he's the judge walking amongst us this morning. His eyes are like flame of fire. Echoing the judge of Daniel 10. His feet like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. He has the right to judge. He's been through the test. He is pure. His body is pure. And his voice is like the roar of many waters. Can you hear his voice? Think of standing at the foot of Niagara Falls or going out on the beach when there's a storm and the breakers rolling in and that thunder, you know, that thump. His voice roars. Every time we hear his voice, it comes with such power. We're responsible for how we respond. See his glory. In his right hand, he held seven stars which are the churches, all the churches. Jesus holds in his right hand all the churches of the world. See, angels are powerful beings that determine world history. Jesus holds the history of his church in his hands. He, he, he judges his church. From his mouth come a two-edged sword. It's, a, it's an image of judgment, which we'll see again in, in chapter 19. He is judging as he speaks this morning. Some of us will believe and are destined for the new creation by new birth. Others may be hardened and destined for the second death or hell. In every church up and down the land, he is already judging according to how people respond to his word. Out of his mouth comes a double-edged sword. This isn't gentle Jesus, meek and mild. His face is like the sun shining in its full strength. So it's no surprise that John fell at his feet, though dead. Can we see who Jesus is, who Jesus really is, what has been revealed to John and therefore also to us this morning? He's the boss of the whole universe. He's the one to love above spouse, above children, above career, above wealth, above safety. Can we see that we are to fear him and to live for him and in living for him, we can live without fear? It's difficult though, isn't it? I, I find this really difficult because I am afraid. I, I've. I struggle to see who Jesus really is in my mind's eye. And that's, I think, why Revelation is here. So we can, we can be reminded of who we worship, who we are to fear. You know, Jesus said, fear him who can throw both body and soul into hell. Don't fear the ones that can just do stuff with your, your body. But what does Jesus say to John? And this is wonderfully encouraging as we come to an end. Fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, that only makes sense if Christians are fearful of death, because when Jesus says, fear not, yes, we're not to, to fear him because he loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, but as one of the old hymns puts it, if we fear him, then we've got nothing left to fear. And if he says to us, look, don't, don't fear death because 
I'm the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Then even death is not something to fear. So see the glory of Christ in his church. See, power works in a very different way in the book of Revelation than we often think. What is the most powerful thing in this world? Do you know what it is? People who worship Jesus. See, the people who worship Jesus Christ, because he's the ruler of the kings of the earth, because he has the keys of death and Hades, because he's already judging for his people, because he will return to judge the enemies of his people, the most powerful beings in this world are those who are in Christ. It's you and me. If we keep battling, if we worship Jesus rather than what we're being commanded to worship. See, the most powerful thing is, is, uh, is not those who are in powerful political positions. It's not the emperor of Rome. It's the early church living out the book of Revelation. If we were to wind the clock forward a few centuries, Rome was Christian. How? Well, because the early church lived out this book without fear. They were willing to be slaughtered for Jesus. They were willing to be oppressed for Jesus. They were willing to serve Jesus. They were willing to love Jesus above their lives. Who knows what might happen in decades, in centuries to come, if the Lord doesn't come back, if we do that today. So let's just pray that as we go into this book of Revelation, this would be us. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you thank you that you tell us to fear not because you are the first and last, the living one, that you hold the keys of death and Hades. Well, thank you that you are amongst us this morning. Lord, please help us to fear you above all things, to love you above all things. Please take hold of us by your spirit that we might be transformed into this kind of people of God and use us mightily, we pray, to build your kingdom. Amen. Thank you, John. Let's take a few moments to just think about what we've heard, and then we're going to sing in response. <laughs> 